Good morning, everybody. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 or your smart device. This morning, I'm going to share our story. I'm going to share our story of Eagle Ridge Church and the ministry that we do here, but I'm going to do that in an interesting way with a backdrop of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the book of Romans. And I have a message this morning called Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do. It's always a good thing to know why you're doing what you're doing. Amen? Amen. And so we're looking at Romans 8. And, and Paul in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, he presents what I would say is a revolutionary way of doing and thinking and living through and beyond life's difficulties. How many of you have had life's life difficulties? Yeah, okay, here we go. So listen, Paul's words in Romans, they're, listen, they're not a suggestion, they're, they're not a theory, uh, they're rooted in truth. In fact, they're rooted in liberating truth. And so as we grow in this process of our spirituality, as we grow closer and closer, in Christ Jesus, we begin to realize how liberating God's way is in how we live. So we start this morning in Romans chapter 8, verse 33. You ready? Here we go. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for, for his own? And Paul says, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Again, Paul says, no one. Who's going to condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and he was raised to life for us and he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus is pleading for us on our behalf. And then verse 35 in Romans 8, it says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does God's love stop? Does he disappear? Can anything ever separate us? I love that. And then verse 36, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Interesting. And then finally, verse 37, Paul says, Yet in all these things, listen to this, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through Christ who loved us. In all these things, what things? The things that Paul just mentioned. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love this block of scripture, don't you? So, when we have trouble, when you have trouble, when you have calamity, when you have when you're being persecuted, when you're hungry, when you feel destitute, when you're in danger, and even when you're threatened with death, you and I, in Christ, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. So this is a message of hope that has compelled us to do ministry, to reach those who are lost in sin, who are burdened with the lies of the devil through difficulties, through the bondages that the enemy, the devil, tries to place people in. And so God's liberating, life-giving message of hope 
compelled me, compelled Eagle Ridge, compelled us to do ministry, to tell people the good news. What's the good news? The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that we have a way to heaven. We have a way of forgiveness. We have a way of dispelling the bondage from the past, the failures from the past. God forgives. He gives us a new start. Someone say amen. Amen. And so that's compelled us to do ministry, to let people know, not just in the Menifee Valley, but globally now. It's amazing. The good news of Jesus Christ. And so God put on my heart, my wife's heart, to plant a church 27 years ago here in the Menifee Valley. 27 years ago. It was the summer of... 1994, God called us, called the church into existence to bring this good news that that Paul just described, to give that liberating message through Christ to the masses, to bring the good news, the great news. I call it, it's good news, that's what the word gospel means, but in reality, it's great news, isn't it? It's great news because there is bad news. And the news of Christ is great, that he offers a way to eternal life and forgiveness of sins. So it was 27 years ago, God called us to introduce people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we've witnessed God's glorious work through our lives personally, through the ministry here over the years. We've seen literally hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Listen... Just in the last 25 days, we've had 18 baptisms. God's doing something. Over the years, over the years, we've heard and we've witnessed God's miraculous hand on people's life, doing miracles, healing their bodies. It's it's been amazing, one report after another. See, we don't just teach this or regurgitate God's word. We're living it. And we're seeing the evidence of God's holy hand on people's lives changing their life. We've witnessed God restoring marriages. We've seen the power of God destroy addictions here and restore relationships that were uh, disjointed here in the ministry. It's been an amazing thing. It's always an amazing thing when you're doing ministry and when you're involved in ministry, when you see people's eyes light up like, I get it. I get it. And and then all of a sudden, they're introduced to a purpose, a higher purpose, living for God, stepping into God's will, stepping into God's plan. That's a joy. If you're a teacher this morning, you understand that feeling when your students' eyes light up and they they have that aha moment. They get it like, I understand. Well, that's certainly a blessing when you're doing ministry and people have that aha, okay, I get it now. I'm not here alone. God's guiding me. He's directing me. He's loving me. He's ministering to me and through me. And so from the beginning, our mission has stayed the same. I'm going to share with you our mission statement. I have it on the screen. Sharing the good news of Jesus and developing Christ followers. That's it. It's that simple. Sharing the good news of Jesus and developing Christ followers. That's the mission God gave us from the beginning. That's what we're called to do in ministry. I think every church should have that mission statement. I'm a little biased, though. But that's our mission statement, sharing the good news of Jesus. It's good news. I remember 
as a teenager, we used to hang out down at Huntington Beach and between Newport and Huntington and, and surf and whatnot. As the closer you got to the, the pier, that's where kind of all the action was. After the waves started getting choppy, you'd see a lot of people congregating near the pier and the beach would be heavily populated. But I remember seeing a guy standing on a soapbox with a sign that says, repent or you'll go to hell. That really wasn't good news to me. I, I think it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Is there truth behind that? Yeah, there's truth, but I don't know how many good connections you're going to make with people or even garner some kind of audience for a discussion. It's kind of the starting point is negative, isn't it? Even though there's truth to that. And so God's called us to share the good news. Here's the good news, that God loves each and every one of you so much, so much. Way, way, way more than you can even comprehend. God loves you so much that he sent his son over 2,000 years ago to give you life, to give you a way, a reason, a hope, a blessed hope, eternal life, forgiveness of sins. The enemy has a plan too. It's to kill, to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy. That's the enemy's plan, to just mess with you. And sometimes, sometimes we kind of buy into that. We start what I call dancing with the devil and, and we start entertaining those things that he's doing as, as, as valid, but they're not valid at all. They're lies. God has a higher and better purpose for you. So we share the good news of Jesus and develop Christ followers. It's kind of twofold, introducing people to Christ. And, and you can do that in a number of ways. I think the best way to do that is be who you are and let God speak through you. Amen? But it's twofold. You may encounter people that already know the Lord personally. They already have a relationship with the Lord. God has called us to help develop them to spiritual maturity. So our mission statement's twofold, isn't it? And so I believe over the years, 27 years to be exact, we've stayed true to that vision. We really have under every circumstance. We've been wonderfully blessed seeing and living out that mission sharing the good news of Jesus and developing Christ followers. Our mission's kept us on track. It's kept me on track. It, it, you've heard the saying, keep the main thing the main thing. Folks, I got, I got news for you. That's the main thing here. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ, sharing the good news of Jesus, and developing Christ followers. That's the main thing. Whenever we get distracted from that and start entertaining other things, it just, it's, 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 it's a distraction. So the main thing, and it's important for us to keep the main thing, the main thing, is to share the good news of Jesus and develop Christ followers. And so that mission's kept us on track. But listen, when there's good news, there's always bad news, right? <laughs> and, and even though we've stayed true to that mission and we intend to stay true till Jesus comes home, till, Jesus, till we come home to Jesus, rather, it doesn't mean that things have always gone smooth. I mean, when you accepted Christ, did everything just kind of smooth over? And I mean, the air smells like roses and everything goes your way, right? Hello. It's not, that's not reality, is it? When you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that brings an assurance that you're going to be with the Lord. You have eternal life. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear anything, Okay. There's a lot of things people are afraid of today. But when you accept Christ, 
there's that blessing of forgiveness of sins and eternal life and that you're filled with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But there's also a reality that things don't always go smooth. And there's a reason for that. We've had our challenges as a church, just like every ministry. COVID, for one. Hello? Okay. I'm learning to not really like that word. I never did like that word, COVID. But uh, that's been a challenge for us. I mean, lockdowns, face masks, economic struggles, uh, isolation, uh, people relocating. Wow. (laughs) We pray for them. We love them. But there's just a lot of things going on that, that are shaking up. Not just the ministry, but our state here in California. And these are challenges. They're all challenges that we experience. But listen, the mission here has always stayed the same. Sharing the good news of Jesus and developing Christ followers. And our mission is tied to a responsibility that we all have that we see in the gospel of uh, Matthew. And before I go to that, I want to just share a few things. I never intended to be in ministry. I don't know how many people ever, I mean, I think there's some people that at an early age come to a realization that maybe God's called them into ministry. But I started out in business and I had a custom cabinet shop for many years. We moved our business from the LA Orange County area out here to River, Southwest Riverside County many years ago, and it was during that process of just, you know, we moved here, we got plugged into a local church, and we got as involved as we possibly could, raised our children in that uh, dynamic, and it was during that time that God started calling Catherine and I into ministry, and I wasn't sure what that was at the beginning, so what did I do? I went and talked to the pastor at that time. I said, I don't know what's going on, but... I feel like God's calling me into to something more than just attending church, but service, and, and I'm not sure. And two weeks later, I found myself working in the nursery. <laughs> no, not, nobody's going to talk to me. Like Nobody's going to come to me and say, Pastor, I feel called to the ministry. Okay. <laughs> I didn't share that for that to be the... Uh, reaction. But uh, after a couple weeks in the nursery, I went to the pastor. I said, can I be honest with you? I don't, I don't feel like God's calling me to the nursery. <laughs> I, I love babies, but not that much. <laughs> I just don't. Anyway, where did I find myself? I found myself working with the youth group as one of the helpers. And I did that for about six months. But it was just, you know, trial and error. You, when, when, you feel, when you feel that God is calling you and you, you know that God's calling you into some aspect of ministry, you don't always know exactly what it is, right? So you try different things. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you, you're here and you've tried different ministries and you're just trying to find your place. And it's usually that place where God just pumps you up and blesses you and you feel good about being there. It doesn't mean everything's going to go smooth, right? Just like life. And then that day came where as I kind of moved around in different ministry functions within the church, God called us to plant a church 27 years ago, just a small group of people in a home, started as a Bible study, about nine months, 
interesting, huh? Gestation period. Uh, <laughs> we uh, birthed and moved from the house to a school. I remember 30, 35 people in the middle of a gymnasium. I, I don't even think we needed sound equipment. We had sound equipment because when you talked, it just echoed. We were huddled in the middle of a 600, 700 seat auditorium, about 30 of us, right? The size of a big Bible study, a home Bible study. But God blessed us, and we grew, and God added to our numbers, and we moved from the school to a community center, and back in 2002, we moved to this facility that we're at right now here in Menifee. Now listen, this is the oldest church in the valley. doesn't look like it because we've done an extreme makeover to it, but this church was erected in about... 1954, from what I understand. So it was 2002 that we moved. This, the church that was meeting here uh, needed a pastor, and we needed a building, and so there was a marriage, and, and we've been here ever since. And God's blessed us. He has blessed us. But it hasn't always been smooth, just like life. But you don't get discouraged, and you keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Nothing blesses me more than seeing people come to Christ. Nothing blesses my heart more than seeing marriages restored. Nothing blesses me more than seeing people make that decision that they want to serve the Lord. They want to be baptized. They want to move forward in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all tied to a responsibility that, that each and every church should have, but we ought to have as well corporately and individually. And it's found in Matthew 28. I have the scripture on the screen. This particular passage is known as what? The Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's what Jesus told his disciples. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're one of his disciples. This is what Jesus said. One of the last things he said before he ascended into heaven. Listen to this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is what we're called to do. This is what we're supposed to do. This is our commissioning. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us, even to the end of the age. By the way, I think we're close to the end of the age. Jesus is coming back soon. When I first heard the gospel, it was a long time ago. It was right after Moses walked across the Red Sea. <laughs> a long time ago. But when I first heard the gospel, it was, the message that the pastor taught was about the end times. And he, he brought up, he actually had visuals. He brought up different products that had the number 666 on them. And he talked about the mark of the beast. And the first time I'd ever heard it, it scared, you know, it scared me. And, uh, and I realized I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want to go to heaven. Jesus is going to come back soon. Well, after I accepted Christ and became a follower of Christ, I always felt like it seemed so far out from the time Jesus would come back and rapture the church, at least back then. And I'm talking the mid-70s. It seemed to me that like a lot of things needed to take place before Jesus would come back. 
And I believed, and I've always believed, he could come back at any moment. But folks, my friends, listen to me. Now more than ever, I believe with all my heart that Jesus could and will come back at any moment. We're right there. We're at the precipice of him coming back. When we look at our culture, when we look at the things that that society has embraced, the evil they've called good, when we look at where we are as a nation, where we are as, as, as a planet and, and the things that are taking place, the evil that permeates every area of life. And as you read Scripture and you begin to understand not the day or the hour because we don't know the day or the hour, but we can recognize the season in which Jesus will return. We can recognize that. And we can see that we're right there. We're right there. And so that motivates us as a church to walk in our mission of sharing the love of Jesus, sharing Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and developing and helping people grow spiritually. Man, it it just hits that target, doesn't it? As we know, Jesus is going to come back at any moment. And listen, he's coming back. Like a thief in the night. Unfortunately, as the Bible talks graphically about it, you may wake up and find your spouse gone. You may be in an airplane and the pilot's gone. Think about that. I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios. And so we're compelled, we're passionate to tell people, to share the good news so no one's left behind. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're called to do. I personally believe one of the greatest expressions of living out the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter in Matthew, those last few verses, 18 through 20. I believe the the greatest expression of living that out is right here on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. I think that's one of the greatest expressions, not the only venue, not the only avenue of sharing the good news and preaching and teaching the truth, but it certainly is a valuable one. And I love what the author of Hebrews communicates in Hebrews chapter 10. I'd like you to turn there. Hebrews 10, two verses, verse 24 and 25. In light of what you and I have experienced, listen to me, wherever you're watching from and Wherever you live, we've all kind of experienced some similar dynamics over the last 18, 24 months, haven't we? Listen to this verse, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. And let us not neglect our meeting together. And and let us not neglect uh -uh, our meeting together, unless there's a pandemic, (laughs) unless the governor tells you to. Oh, yours doesn't, your version doesn't say that? Well, mine doesn't either. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another. Now catch this, especially now, especially now it says, 
that the day of his return, the day of Christ's return, is drawing near. Wow. Wow. You mean church is essential? It most certainly is. We, we will never close down. Church is essential. It's essential. Church is essential. Our worship to God is essential. A study I found disclosed that if both mom and dad attend church regularly, mom and dad, both mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of their children will remain faithful in that practice. That's pretty high, 72%. If only dad attends, 55% of their children, 55% will remain faithful in church attendance if just dad's coming to church. Listen to this. This will surprise you. If only mom comes to church, 15% of children will, will remain faithful. If neither attended regularly, only about 6% of young people will remain faithful in their church attendance. You and I have a legacy to live that the word of God will not return void. If you don't want your children sidestepped, sidetracked into these doctrines of demons that society throws at us, then they need to be exposed to the truth of God's word. Amen? The truth that's contained in the Word of God is our model for living for the Lord. So these these statistics, they speak for themselves. And we need to get on board with that and realize the importance of a community. Boy, haven't we learned that over the last year and a half, how important it is to have a community? I mean, even if, like, listen, even if you're a hardcore introvert, the last 18 months, you've learned the value of community. It's, just, it's important to have those connections with other human beings. God created us with that innate desire to be around others at some point in time. And we need Jesus. That, that, that's the whole point here. We need Jesus. And so God's called us as a, as a body of believers to share that good news of Jesus. We need community. We can't thrive in fear. You can't thrive in fear. And in Christ, God erases fear. What are you afraid of? Well, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. If I don't do... Listen, God has the script on your life. So we trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. We trust God. One of the things we've adopted not only the mission statement, but how do we achieve that? And we're called Eagle Ridge Church, and that's based on the passage in Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up like wings of eagles. They won't grow faint or weary. We're Eagle Ridge Church, and what do eagles do? They fly high, don't they? And so for you and I to have mission accomplished and keep the main thing the main thing, sharing the good news of Jesus and developing Christ's followers. 
we need to be able to see clearly, like an eagle, miles up in the sky, and they can see everything with laser focus. And so we've taken that word see as an acronym and, and, and if Im, implemented. I know some of you hate acronyms, right? I love them. <laughs> so we've taken that word see and we've put flesh to bone and it articulates how we accomplish our mission. And this is our vision statement. It's in the word see. It's, it stands for share exalt and edify. Those are the, really the three things that God's called us to do, to share the good news of the gospel, uh, sharing the love of Jesus, to exalt God. We are doing that right now. We're exalting God by studying the word of God. We exalt by praising the Lord and worshiping him, doing what God created us to do, to exalt him, and then to edify. And that's what we're doing as well here when we attend uh, the ministry here on Sunday mornings or you, you're involved in a Bible study you're edifying, you're building each other up, you're building yourself up. And, and when you do those things, you open up a supernatural door. I, I don't need to uh, see a show of hands, but I wonder how many people listening right now need a miracle in their life. They need God's intervention. And you kind of wonder, is God going to intervene? Is God going to do a miracle? And, and, and so you, you strive to trust the Lord for that. And believe in God. And I believe when you're doing the things that God's called us to do, which translate to being obedient to the Lord, that opens a supernatural door for God to work in our lives and bless us as we're sharing and exalting and edifying. And look what happened at the beginning. What do I mean by that? The beginning of the church. Not Eagle Ridge Church, but the beginning of the Christian church. Read the book of Acts. Oh, my goodness. If you're feeling, feeling like you're not empowered, like you're kind of a stale, stagnant Christian, I, you love Jesus, but you know there's more, that you should have passion and compassion, and you've read stories, heard stories, listened to stories of God moving powerful in people's lives, and you wonder when he's going to move powerful in your life, read the book of Acts. Oh my gosh, you can't read the book of Acts without getting excited about the Lord. And so we see the, the birth of the church when Peter, one of the disciples, preached that first message and over 3,000 people got saved. That's amazing. They must have had live streaming, right? <laughs> Microphones and everything. 3,000 people got saved when... Peter preached his message in the book of Acts. And look what verse 46 says in Acts chapter 2. It says, they followed a daily discipline. This is after the 3,000, I mean, the church was birthed. Can you imagine planning a church? And all of a sudden, you've got 3,000 people. We started with about six. My family were five of them, okay? We counted everything and anything. The dog, dro somebody drove by, we counted them. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, in the church, followed by meals at home. Every meal and celebration, exuberant and joyful. That's the way it should be in church. It shouldn't be boring. It shouldn't be stale. We should be excited because Jesus is alive in us. Amen. And we have a purpose in him. Amen. And so they did these things with exuberant and they were joyful as they praised God, people in general liked what they saw. Every day 
their number grew as God added those who were being saved. That's how the church grew. People would see and hear what's going on and they want to get a part of it. You mean there's a reason we're alive? There's a reason we're here on earth? And they'd go investigate why these group of people were so confident in their relationship with the Lord. They had a joy. God was doing miracles. God established the church early on with miracles. And he still does miracles today, amen? Amen. And so the church grew, and and the number was added to every day by those being saved. God's called us, you and I, to join him, to share his message of hope. And, And listen, without the power of God in our lives, we're ineffective. And we have the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And obedience to God always brings blessings. So over the years, I believe, without a doubt, we've impacted our community. Somebody asked the question, one of my peers said, hey, if Eagle Ridge Church wasn't there, would the community miss you? I believe they would. But I think that's a great question to ask. Would we be missed? You know, it's always amazing to me when an adult and comes onto the campus, and this has happened numerous times, and as soon as they see me, they start getting tears, or they see the, the, the building, and they start getting te- tears because there's a history, there's a connection. And they'll tell me a story, and I've heard this over and over again. You know, when I was a little kid, I went to VBS here, and I heard the gospel. And I'm not walking with the Lord right now, but I heard the gospel, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and it changed everything, and, and now's the time to reconnect. Oh, man. Wow. That's blessing. That's blessing. That's legacy. That's impact. That's God moving. And then we look at going into a a pandemic. And when this whole thing started, nobody knew what was going on. By the way, nobody knows what's going on. (laughs) Don't get me started. But we didn't know what was going on. And so we, you know, things buttoned down and and, uh, and well, we've got to go online. We've always been online, but it, our service is broadcasted two to three days after Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes. If we were really on the ball, we'd get it out on Monday, right? But we didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that, but we had to pay attention to it when the pandemic started. And so we did everything we could to have a, a viable and responsible and effective online ministry, which I believe we do. Little did we know that that grew our congregation. It's amazing. So we're reaching, uh, Pastor Jeff tells me how many people in China, how many people in in UAE, in Canada, in in different areas of Europe, across the United States. It, It just blows my mind. I love talking to Jeff. I said, what's going on online? People are getting saved. And the way we can track that is when when they pray to receive Christ and they follow through with with some of the prompts that we give them to text the word pray and whatnot, or they email us, we're able to track that. It's just beautiful that through something as ugly as this pandemic, some great things have happened through that. Praise God. I'm going to close with a couple of things. What makes Eagle Ridge so special? Well, 
We're based on God's word, the Bible. We're based on God's word. We're compelled, committed to be faithful in teaching God's word. We worship God. We don't worship a charismatic leader or, or anything else. We are compelled, committed, and faithful to worshiping God. The other thing is, I really believe, and I see this, and I hear this all the time, we have a positive attitude. How can you, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the, in the midst of uh, national crisis, we have a positive attitude. How can you not have a positive attitude knowing you have salvation, that we're just passing through? We have an eternal home in heaven. That makes you positive. But I hear this all the time, all the time, from folks that visit. We have caring people. Caring people. I didn't say perfect. I said caring. Legitimate. It's legitimate. Meaning people listen to you. They care for you. They love on you. And I hear that all the time. And really, it sums up the mission here. Sharing the good news of Jesus and developing Christ followers. God has called us to invest in his most prized possession, and that's you. That's you watching. That's you listening this morning. God has called us to invest in his most prized possession. That's humankind. God loves you. Some of you haven't heard that recently. You haven't heard the phrase, I love you. God loves you. He loves you and he cares for you. And I will conclude with Romans 8, 38 through 39. What I'm about to read is going to be such a blessing to you. And we conclude chapter 8 right now of Romans. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Listen, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone say amen. And the only way that you can appreciate what Paul just said, the only way that you can embrace what Paul just said, the only way that you can understand what Paul just said in Romans 8, those last few verses, verse 38 through 39, is by having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity right now to get right with God, to receive forgiveness of sins, to have your name written in God's book, the Lamb's book of life. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, talks about God's book, the Lamb's book of life. And every name in that book is a name who has personal relationship with Jesus and eternal life. But I also want to give you, those of you this morning, an opportunity. And here it is. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ at one time in your life, maybe years ago in VBS, maybe you were watching 
a preacher on TV and you gave your heart to Jesus, but you're not walking with the Lord the way you should. I want to give you an opportunity to rededicate your life to the Lord. So for those who are giving their heart to the Lord for the first time or rededicating their life to the Lord, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for Romans 8, how encouraging, how empowering it is for each one of us. God, I pray for uh, the congregation. I pray for those who are watching right now. Lord, that those who don't, do not know you personally as their Lord and Savior, who are not absolutely, absolutely certain that if they were to die today, they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray f- for them that they would give their heart to you this morning. This is not something you want to gamble on. God, I pray that they would give their heart to you. And those who have at one time made a decision to serve you, and they've gotten distracted, and they're not walking with you the way they should. God, I pray that they would give their heart to you, rededicating their life to you this morning. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, pray this prayer. If you're going to give your heart to the Lord, if you're going to rededicate your life to the Lord, pray this prayer with me right now. Pray it with your heart. Here we go. Just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I come to you this morning saying, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I rededicate my life to you, Jesus, right here, right now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I would like to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. If you prayed to receive Christ this morning, or you rededicated your life to the Lord, would you do this? Would you, if you can, text the word pray to the number that you see on the screen right now? That way we can start a relationship where I'd love to connect with you and encourage you to fulfill the mission to help you develop in your relationship.